Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, good morning. So good to be in God's presence. If you're visiting us and, it's, and you're not used to this sort of praise and worship, connecting, uh, expressing our faith to God, because that's what we're doing. We're expressing our love and our faith towards God. Uh, I never forget the first time I ever walked into a church that was similar to this, that was singing, dancing, clapping, jumping up and down, having fun. It was loud. It was about a whole band, and it was strange for me, so I was laughing my head off with my friend. And um, the second time I went, I wasn't laughing at all because the Holy Spirit was touching me. But, you know, when you think about God being real, and we're just real people that are connecting with a real God, um, it doesn't look so abnormal. It can be abnormal if you're not used to the normal. This should be normal. Because it's people that love their God. And we are emotional. We are spiritual. And we're also physical. So, you know, like when you go to a football game, if you go to a rugby league game, they really express themselves quite adamantly. Whether it's a soccer, rugby league, union, they go crazy. They paint paint themselves in state of origin, blue and white. I mean, it's pretty committed. That that looks a bit strange to me, but they do it. Um, You know, they, they love it. That's fantastic because we're Australians know how to connect. And we, as, as, as children of God, are connecting to our God. Amen? Amen. I'm going to be talking. Actually, before I move on, I, I need to let you know, because it's been about a month since the heart of the house, that we started receiving the heart of the house offering. And uh, I just want to let everybody know, just where we're at and where we're tracking. But um, with the interest that we're going to be receiving from the money that's already in the account, um, all love, we, we are just about to hit $90,000 that we've already raised. <laughs> Which is, that's, with, that's about, that's one month. So imagine what we can continue to do if you haven't given yet and you want to give and God's spoken to you to give. Church has been very generous. I want to say thank you for every person that's, that's sacrificially given towards the future. That's our future. That's our inheritance. Uh, we're trusting to buy a building in the future. We need to own our own property, our own land. And you know in Sydney, we're going to need land. We need car, car park land. We're going to need a building. And um, we're planning well. We're trying to be good stewards of what God has trusted us with. And so as you give towards it, it will go towards the future of buying our building. And um, we're excited about that. As you know, we already have $350,000 in the bank account from previous offerings in the last number of years. And so um, we're going to get close to half a million. It's, it's, it's getting there, little by little. But we're going to need millions. Amen? It's okay. God's got a lot of money. We're talking about... The, today I want to I talk about the keys... Of the kingdom of God. And we really need to maybe renew our thinking when we think about God and we think about our relationship with God and we think about His people. We need to be thinking more kingdom than church. Church is a part of the kingdom, but the church by itself isn't the kingdom. It's definitely a part of the kingdom, it's, it's God's called out people. The word church means ecclesia. God called us out to be separate, to be set apart from the world. But God's kingdom is greater than just the church, even though the church is God's bride. God's in love with the church. God's church, I believe, is God's agent to bring change in the earth. And and you you can't say, well, I'm a part of the kingdom and not be part of God's church because it's like saying, I love Jesus, but I don't love his body. Jesus is the head and the church is his body. And if you say, I love Jesus, but the, the body, I don't know about the body. You know what I'm saying? We, we sometimes do that because we've been hurt by the church or we've been hurt by people and therefore we sort of turn to, I don't want to fellowship, I don't want to connect, I don't want to get community. Yet God created us for community. 
We desperately need one another. Every single one of us need one another. Um, anyway, Jesus is the, the face. I would never groom my face and not groom my body and, and get, leave my house. I, I take care of my body as much as I take care of my face. It just takes a lot of work to make me look this good. <laughs> you should see me without any work. Anyway, jokes. Um, this beard takes a lot of work. Maybe you should just shave it off. But. <laughs> um, keys of the kingdom of God. If you've got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 16. I, I really want us to, little by little, we should filter everything we hear through the lenses and our filter in our brain. Everyone's got a filter. It has to be the kingdom of God. Not churchianity, not even... I mean, Christianity is Christ. It's, it's putting our faith in Christ. But Christ came to bring the kingdom. Christ preached the kingdom of God. If you want to know what's his message, you find out that it's actually the, the, the message of the kingdom of God. He preached. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He preached. He says, what can I liken the kingdom of God to? It is like, and he would use parables and explaining. What is he explaining? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He'd always use parables. Every parable was to explain how the kingdom of God operated. So if we don't filter our, our minds and our, our filter of our brain and our mind and our revelation through kingdom, we're actually going to limit what God can do through us as a church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, this is a very powerful question, it's still potent today. Jesus asked his disciples, these disciples are walking with him, following him, uh, eating together, they, they, they would hang out together, do ministry, pray for people together, they preach the gospel together. I mean, they, you know, they even went out Mount Olivet and stay in the garden, they sleep overnight together. I mean, there's a lot of things they did together for three years. And Jesus wants to know near the end of his ministry, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He really wants to know what his disciples are hearing the people are saying about him. And look what they said. So they said, some say John the Baptist, by the way, John the Baptist just got beheaded. Some people say that John the Baptist came back in Jesus. Some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. In other words, they believed in reincarnation in those days. And they believed maybe one of the prophets has come back. I mean, it's pretty weird. You, you, you think about it, you think, no way. I mean, surely they didn't believe that, but they actually believed in reincarnation in those days quite strongly. So they thought maybe one of the prophets has arisen again, and now uh, they're preaching, like Jeremiah has come back to life, and Isaiah has come back to life. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? So it's really important, we as his followers, who do we say Jesus is? It's very important, how do you view Jesus? Do you view Jesus as some... Religious leader, some people that don't know Christ as Lord and don't know Christ as the Savior of the world will just go, well, he's just a good man, good teacher, good religious leader, some, some prophet. But there's other ways, you know. I mean, that's not viewing Jesus as he really is, as he should be viewed. Because that's why they, don't have, they haven't come into salvation, because we know that Jesus is the only way to get to God, the only way to enter the kingdom of heaven, the only way, he is the, door, the, the doorway. He said it himself in John chapter 10, I am the door. If you didn't believe me, check the Bible. He said, I am the door. He also says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except for me. So Jesus is the way. And what do we mean by Jesus being the way? What he came to do. He came from a virgin birth. He lived a sinless life. Then he died on the cross as if he was the sinner, but he wasn't the sinner. He never committed sin, but he died on the cross in our place so that you and I can freely, everybody say freely, 
Again, freely. freely. Be forgiven. We, we, we think we have to earn it. We think we have to deserve it. We think we have to be good enough. Religion tells you how good you have to be to get it. But Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life, died in your place, and he gave you the gift of righteousness, a robe of righteousness by faith. You put it on by faith. Basically, Jesus had a pure white robe of righteousness. He takes it off, and on the cross, he says, you put that one on, give me your filthy rags of unrighteousness. Dirty, smelly, stinky, it's pretty bad. This is our one. Uh, it's rotten. Rotten food, rotten everything, rotten whatever you can imagine. And he puts it on. It becomes sin. And then we take his white robe, glistering white, not a spot, brilliant white. We put it on by faith. And you're seen as forgiven. Righteous. Right standing with God. Nothing in the way between you and God. Except you not knowing what he's done for you on the cross. If you don't believe what he's done for you on the cross, you don't know that you've been forgiven. You don't know that you have right standing. You don't know that you have access to the Father. You have access to the whole kingdom. But we've got to know who Jesus is. If you don't know who Jesus is, then you won't have access. Because he is the door. But to walk through a door, you need keys to open the door. Don't you? You need the right key for the right door to open the right doors. I'd like to just pose this question for you more mature believers. Because most of us as believers will go, yeah, I know who Jesus is. We'd answer like Peter. Peter said this. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christos, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of the living God. You didn't have a physical father. I know that God himself made Virgin Mary pregnant. And so you don't have a physical father. God is your father. You're the son of the living God. The second Adam. Adam lost it, but Jesus came as the second Adam, the last Adam. He was the son of man, means son of Adam. Literally, son of man. The word man means Adam, the son of Adam. He referred to himself as the son of Adam more than the son of God, even though he said he was the son of God. Jesus answered and said to him, uh, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon means reed. Blessed are you, reed Bar-Jonah, or son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Who, who revealed this to, to Peter? Not flesh and blood, not people. But my father directly spoke to you for you to understand that Jesus is the Messiah. That he is the son of the living God, the sinless one. So it takes revelation to believe what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because that's the doorway into the kingdom of heaven. Not just the doorway to forgiveness. Because if you say, oh, I've been forgiven, good, and now I'm going to heaven, I'm not going to hell. And then one day when I die, now you just made death the doorway into heaven. By believing that one day when I die, I'll experience heaven. But the kingdom of heaven is completely different how you view it. Jesus referred to the kingdom of heaven as repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word hand means as close as your hand. It's, it's near. It's another word for near. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's as close as your hand. It's here. Repent for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. It's available. And other times he cast out evil spirits. He cast out demons. And he goes, if I cast out demons, I do it by the finger of God. Therefore, the kingdom of God has come unto you. What? I thought heaven is over there. I thought we see heaven as over there. A place when we finally get there. Jesus says, if I cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come unto you. That's why we've got to view everything with, as the kingdom. 
Blessed are you, Simon, by John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. The word Peter is small stone, small rock, Petra, but small. And on this Petra, big rock, I will build my church. Was he building it on Peter or was he building on the revelation that Peter had of Jesus? He wasn't just building it on Peter because that means when Peter dies and went to heaven, he hasn't built it on the rock. He's building it on the revelation that Peter had of Jesus. When any person has a revelation of who really Jesus is, then he's building, on, he's building the church, God's called out people, on the rock. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. We mostly view it as, as, the, gate, as, as the gates of hell, shall not prevail, like it's attacking us, but I believe it's the gates of hell cannot prevail against us, I mean we're attacking it. Light attacks darkness, not darkness attack light. Darkness can't affect light. Light affects darkness. Change your thinking. Don't be afraid of curses because the blessing, the curse can't touch the blessing. If you're walking in the blessing, you're walking in light, and that means a, a, a darkness, curse, can't touch you. If you go to Africa and they're witch doctors and you fear, oh, they might put a spell on me. And I've heard other pastors have gone there and they've attacked them. They got sick and they died. It's, it's happened. If you fear it, that's the open door. If you believe it's possible that they can put a curse on you, you believe superstition, you'd be surprised how many believers believe in superstition. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this just in case. You're free from all that because you belong to the kingdom. Yes, I, I, I... Verse 19, And I, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Think about that. Who's speaking? Jesus is speaking. Who's he talking to? The disciples, people that believe in him. Jesus is saying, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Who's got the keys? The, the disciples do. The believers do. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm going to explain that in a moment. But let's just quickly go back to when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And, and we've got to have a revelation of who Jesus is. Um, because he is the son of the living God. But what about if a modern day New Testament question came up, like today, and I ask you, who do you say you are? How you answer that determines how you're going to live your Christian walk. Can you say, I'm a child of the living God. I'm a son of the king. I'm a son of God the Father. I've been born into his family. I'm... I've got Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm a daughter of the Most High God. Do you really see yourself that way? Can you answer that? Or do you go, I don't know. I don't know who I am. I don't know who I'm. But, no, you, why are you saying that? Because you are the body of Christ. Where the head is, the body has to be. Jesus, the Bible says, I'm telling you all what the Bible says. The Bible says we're joint heirs with Christ. What Christ has, you must have. That's what I'm saying. Can you, do you see yourself as the son of the living God, a daughter of the living God? Because when you start to see yourself that way, you become the one that believes, I'm anointed, I've got healing power, I can heal people because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in me. We're not the sick looking to get healed. We're the healed healing the sick. Does that make sense? Changes the way you view yourself because he wanted to know, how do you see, how does the world see me? And, and some think that you're the prophet, some think that you're Elijah coming back from the dead and but who do you say? Ah, oh, you're the son of the living God. Fantastic. We've got to believe that about Jesus. That's the beginning. That's the doorway to get into heaven. 
But now in the New Testament realities, of new creation realities, I believe the Holy Spirit's asking the church, saying, who do you say you are? And if you can't honestly, be really honest with yourself, you can't honestly say, I'm a child of the living God. I'm a son of the King. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. Until that identity has to come into you for us to do the works of Jesus. Jesus did say, the works that I do shall you do also. We're not quoting something outside of the Bible. We're, right, we're, we're believing what the Word of God says. And if you've never heard this before, it's okay. Please read the Bible. I really encourage you, read the Bible, the New Testament for yourself. You'll see the words are there. It's very clear. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Look at all these keys. I put a bunch of keys together on purpose. I don't walk around like that. But, <laughs> but there's, there's keys that will open up many doors. Keys are very, very helpful when you know how to use them. What's the problem with these keys? If, if, look at this key here. I found this key in my bag. Have you ever found keys that you don't know what it's for? <laughs> you forget what it's for. You go, what's that key for again? That key's useless to you. If you don't know what it's for, what will it open? It could open something very treasurable, very valuable to you. and You don't even know how to use it. I, 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 I've got a tag. You're supposed to write down what it's for. There's got nothing in it. So I, I, gotta, I look, I found a oh, key. What does it open? I can't use it if I don't know how to. What's it going to open? I don't have a revelation knowledge of what this key would actually open. Jesus, like I, I read that scripture once. I think, you know, we act like God's got the keys. We live like God's got the keys. We pray like God's got the keys. Say, God, do this, God, we need you, this, God. So I give you the keys of the kingdom. But I'm acting like God's got the keys. If I said, if I'm going away for five years, this is, this is all the keys to my house, to this building, to all the rooms in this building. And, and let's say I had heap, heaps of houses and I've got heaps of homes and I'm really, really wealthy and I've got a bunch of keys. And I say, hey, there's a, I give you the keys, I'm going away for five years. Use them at will. Now, what's the problem? If he doesn't know what they're for, what's he going to have to do? Learn. How are you going to learn? By experimenting. He's going to have to grab those keys, and he wouldn't have a clue what key is for what, and he's going to have to, you know, we all do Have you ever done that with that one, that one, that one, one open, that one? Which one is it, man? We're experimenting. When you need something from God, we try to use the keys from heaven. We don't know how to use them. And we go, this one. That one, how do I open that one? It doesn't work. We experiment with God. We, and we even have faith accidents, what I call faith accidents. Sometimes you go, oh, it worked. Oh, God answered my prayer. What a miracle. And it should be a lifestyle of a relationship with God where we actually know what keys open what door. Please hear, you have the keys. Now you've got to stop thinking, okay, actually, I've got the keys. The keys are in my hand. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. The keys of, of, not the keys to the kingdom. Keys of the kingdom. Of the kingdom, not to the kingdom. Let me read this in the Passion Translation. It says, I give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm. To forbid on earth that which is already forbidden in heaven. And to release on earth that which is already released in heaven. So we can only forbid things on earth what we know is forbidden in heaven. You can't release something on earth where 
I can't release, I don't know, uh, unforgiveness, bitterness, or a curse and expect God to back me. You're not going to operate in God's power that way. I have to operate in God's will. What's, what's, how did Jesus teach us to pray? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the will of God in heaven? Where we're praying God's will be done on earth, in this earth, as it is in heaven. Do you think there's any sick people in heaven? Do you think there's any depressed people in heaven? People full of worry and fear in heaven. Full of anxiety. There's certain things. How are they living in heaven? They're living in honor to one another. So I can't release dishonor. I want to learn to honor each other. Respect one another. Give honor away. If you want to be honored, so honor away. If you want to be respected, respect others. So we've got the keys. It's a good start. We've got to believe these keys. Now I've got to know what keys work where. I can recognize my house key. Because I know it. I use it all the time. So it gives me access to my home. But I've lost some keys in my house where I can't open certain windows. So which window is that locked up? You know, when it's somewhere in the house, somewhere. We've got to know how to use the keys that open certain doors. Jesus knew how to use the keys. He's trying to teach and train us as his children, co-workers, co-laborers of the Bible. The Bible says we're co-laborers with God. You've just got to learn how to use keys. What are keys? Can I basically say keys is revelation knowledge? It's the knowledge of the kingdom of God. See, uh, Peter had a revelation. Maybe this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but revealed. This knowledge that you know that I'm the son of the living God, Jesus is saying, the Father revealed this, revealed knowledge to you. So now that you've got a revelation, let me explain it this way. How do you enter the kingdom of God? How do you enter the kingdom of heaven? By hearing the gospel, the good news. What's the good news of the kingdom? We're preaching, this is what we're called to preach, us as believers, every one of us, are called to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. So whenever you go out to someone that never heard about the good news, and you tell them the good news, and they happen to be open, and they go, yeah, I know I'm a sinner, I, know, I, just, yeah, I, know I deserve to go to hell, and I want God to forgive me, I don't know what to do, and you tell them that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, and if you put your faith in Christ, God will forgive you and cleanse you from everything you've ever done wrong. He'll wipe your slate clean, he'll delete the account, the debt that you owe God, and he... Gives you righteousness, forgiveness. And, he, and he'll live, he'll, he'll, your dead spirit will come alive. That's what the Bible says. That's the born again experience. Your dead spirit that's dead. When you repent, the old you dies. And the Holy Spirit comes, comes into you. And the Holy Spirit lives in you and resurrects your dead spirit. And now you're made alive to God. If that person accepts the truth, revelation knowledge, he just entered the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? You've got the key. You've got the key of salvation. That's the first key you've got to know how to use. You've got to know how to clearly tell people, but don't I have to do anything to get to heaven? Uh, what do I have to do to be forgiven? So that's already works mentality, isn't it? It's already thinking, I've got to be good enough. What do I have to do to be forgiven? Nothing. Just, just, just believe. Believe in Jesus that he did it all for you, that he loved you so much that he died on the cross for your sins. Don't have to go to church every week? Not for salvation. You go to church, that's a different reason. Not for salvation. Do I have to do any good works? Not for salvation. Once you get saved, you do good works, but you don't do it for salvation. Once they understand the key, the key, the key opens it up, the door to a relationship with God. To have a kingdom, you've got to have a king, don't you? Jesus is the king of his kingdom. 
To have a kingdom, the king is a, a king over a certain domain. That's why we get the word kingdom. He's a king over a domain, a, a territory of land. So you've got to have a domain that you rule over. Jesus, I mean, Jesus, Jesus is the creator of the universe, right? So God used Jesus for his word, created everything. It's everything. I believe all creation is God's kingdom. And you've got to have subjects. We're the subjects. You've got to have an army. There's a lot of things. We're going to talk about the kingdom in the future of our church. But the army is the angels that work on his behalf. You've just, I've just given you one key that open, unlocks a salvation door, that opens up a doorway into the realm of God's kingdom. And you enter it today. Not when you die and go to heaven. You experience heaven. Remember Jesus, you, I haven't got time to go for every single scripture, but um, I've got the scriptures here. When Jesus was talking to people, he was saying, um, some of you ask, uh, the kingdom of God does, this is in uh, Luke chapter 6, 17 verse 21. The kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with visible display, nor will people say, look, here it is, or there, there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It's among you. Jesus said that, among your hearts, within you. I mean, so it's, don't look for observation. When's the, kingdom, when's the kingdom of God going to come? That's how the Jewish minds thought. One day the kingdom is going to come. He goes, no, the kingdom of God is within you. It's among you. The moment you bow the knee to Jesus as king, you've entered the realm of the kingdom's domain. There's many keys, many keys that we could talk about. How do we exercise? There was a time here. Let me show you this, uh, just tell you the scripture. It's found in um, found in Matthew 17, verse 14 to 20. Jesus is up on a mountain of transfiguration. He's praying with Peter, James, and John. And the cloud of God's glory came and enveloped them, and God spoke. Then Moses and Elijah showed up, and he's speaking to Moses and Elijah. This is in your Bible. This is Jesus' insight into Jesus' prayer time. Pretty powerful. The kingdom just merged, don't you think? Do, I don't think. See, the way, the way God sees the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is, is, is it as one. It doesn't say, oh, there's earth and then there's heaven. All heaven. You know, the stars in the Old Testament are referred to as heavens. All of creation is a part of, it's not the heaven where God dwells, where the throne is. I know that. But it's still referred to as the heavens in the Bible. Just gotta, there's different heavens, different levels of heavens. But anyway. Jesus is having an awesome prayer time, magnificent glory, having a, a God, I mean, just a fantastic, what a beautiful prayer time. I'd love to have that type of prayer time, wouldn't you? Do you know it's possible? Yeah. Do you know it's possible? You can have that. You know, really? No, we just limit. Because we think church, we don't think kingdom. Jesus comes down from the mountain of transfiguration. He walks down to the crowd, and the man is desperately trying to get his son free. This, this, his son has been tormented by a demon. The Bible says this, an evil spirit constantly throwing him into the fire, trying to kill him. Throwing him into the water, trying to kill, kill him. Trying to destroy him. Maybe he has fits or some sort of manifestation, we don't know exactly. But, but he says, the demon's trying to throw him into the fire. Please, can you help? I brought him to your disciples. And they could not help. They didn't know which key to open. They tried to open the door of healing. They tried to open up the door of deliverance. They did everything they knew to do, but didn't know which key to use. They tried, they tried, they tried, they tried. I can imagine those disciples would have grabbed him and prayed for him and 
tried to cast out the devil out of him and, and they've done it before. They've seen freedom, but this one's not coming out. They don't know which key to use. They did their best. It's easy to conclude there. This is what we do. Now, I don't know how to call it. Religiosity and our flesh. But in our religiosity, we go, ah, it mustn't be God's will, surely. Because if it was God's will, we would have somehow delivered the person. They just didn't know how to use the keys. Because who's got the keys? God or us? God gave us the keys because we've got the authority. God gave us the authority in the beginning of, the, of time. You know that. It's clear in your Bible, Genesis chapter 1. God gave you the authority to rule and to reign and take dominion over everything that's on this earth. The Bible says that he gave us. Mankind's got the authority and the dominion to rule and to reign. Genesis chapter 1, that's the beginning. That's the foundation of understanding our relationship with God. He made us in his image and says, I give you authority. How do you exercise the authority? Through relationship with him. Not in our own will, but in relationship with him. We exercise the authority. So they tried and it didn't work. It's easy to conclude it mustn't be God's will, surely. But the, the problem with that is as soon as Jesus came along, the father goes, Jesus, Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples. They tried to heal him and they couldn't do it. And Jesus says, oh, you perverse generation. <sighs> Jesus was a little bit, I don't know how to say it. He was a bit, uh, very honest, but he, he was trying to explain his frustration with their unbelief. Perverse generation, how long do you need me to be with you? You've got to remember, he just came from the glory. He just came from the cloud of glory. God spoke to him. They had a conversation with Moses and Elijah. I mean, how powerful can it get? And he's come down and these guys can't cast out a demon. And he's thinking, how long do I have to be with a perverse generation? And he's bringing the boy to me. He brings the boy to him and he casts out the demon like that. He knew exactly which key to use. He knew exactly, he knew his authority, he knew his identity, he knew that the demon can't say no, he knew I can just command this thing to leave and it has to leave. When it left, instantly, did God change his mind? That's my question first. Did God say no to the disciples and say yes to Jesus? Why would he, you know what I'm saying? Did, is it God saying, no, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. Oh, Jesus is praying, I will. God always wanted to set him free. God's heart is to set us free. They didn't have the right keys, they didn't know how to use it. That's just one example. Because when they came back into their home and the disciple says, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? What is it? They, read it in your Bible. Jesus says, because you have unbelief. Because if you had faith that's as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be cast, and it would obey you. He just goes straight into it. He goes, it's your unbelief. If you had faith, a demon would have come out. Now, I'm not saying that just to put us down, but Jesus knew how to use the keys. Can I give you another quick, simple operation of a key? In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus reveals, he talks about all the keys. One major key that locks up heaven is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will lock up heaven so fast, it's not funny. Because whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you release on earth should have already been least, released in heaven. But if you, because you, you made in God's image, if you choose to unforgive people and hold bitterness and not forgive people, I believe it locks heaven towards you and God's realm towards you because there's no unforgiveness in heaven you don't have authority to do that so when you disobey you lock the doors there's a lot of doors that we could open there's a door that will open up to the presence of God imagine having a door a key knowing how to open a door I've learned to open up a door because I know how to use it to God's presence anytime I want to and experience God's presence 
and feel his love and feel his joy and his presence, his peace. My emotions don't always get with it, but I can feel his presence. I love it when my emotions get with it and I weep and I cry. I love it. I love it. It's the best. But I know how to turn, I know how to turn the key. I know, to, I know what you, key to use. Now, some people say, I don't know, I'm learning this about God, and I'm not saying I know everything. I don't know this about God 100%. I could be wrong. But a lot of people say God sometimes pulls his presence away from you to test out your, how hungry you are and all that. I think it's more to do with us than him. Because a perfect, holy God, I don't know, this is how I think. Perfect, holy God, if you're seeking him with all your heart, he can't pull himself away from you. Because his word says, if you seek him with all your heart, you'll find him. How can he pull himself away in his holiness? Like, I've learned that God loves me. If there's no other person on the place to love in this whole earth, and there's no person in heaven, there's no one else but me. No one else but you. Think about it. No one else but you to love. No one else. Just you. That, to me, it looks like, oh, God's got all the time in the world now. He can love you more. But God said to me, I will not, I cannot love you any more than I already do, even if there wasn't anyone else to love. That's how holy he is. His love is perfect and everlasting and pure, set apart and holy. You're not like man, mankind. Do you understand, do you understand that? So it's also true, there's no one else on the planet, on this earth, no one else but me or you, just you. No one else in heaven for God to love or to be loved. I cannot move God any more than I already move him and affect his emotion. I affect the heart of God. And if there's no one else to love, no one else to love him or affect him, I cannot move his heart any more than I already do now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because yeah. God's moved by you. He loves spending time with you more than you love spending time with him. It moves the heart of God when you say, I want to spend time with you. It does. It touches him. It, you don't know how loving he is. Keys. I give you the keys of the kingdom of God. That's why, that's why as a believer of Jesus, and we're, we're in the kingdom of God, we should never harbor hate, unforgiveness, bitterness, anger. Imagine if every believer in the church lived like this, been part of the kingdom. Because Jesus, the king, Forgave me of, a, I don't know, a hundred million dollar debt I could never pay. hundred million dollars. If I tried to pay my debt to God, uh, I couldn't repay it. It's impossible. I know it's impossible to repay my debt of sin towards God. But God says, I forgive you in Jesus. I forgive you. God the Father says, I sent Jesus and I forgive you for free. And then on this earth, someone backstabs me. Someone betrays me. Someone lets me down. Someone hurts me. Someone speaks bad about me. They're $20 debt. I've been forgiven a $100 million debt I could never repay, and I've been forgiven. I've, I've got a mortgage. Most of you might have a mortgage. Imagine if your bank manager rang you up and said, Leo, for some reason, we just, we're going to just evacuate, uh, delete this mortgage. You're not going to have a mortgage anymore. It's gone. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll probably chuck a party. I'll buy some meat. I'll chuck a big barbecue party in my backyard. I'll invite everybody. Let's celebrate. I'll be so happy. Why? I've just been set free. You've been set free of a debt you could never pay in a million years, and someone... Backstabs you and you, don't want to, and you don't want to release him for $20. You see how, when you understand how much God forgave you, it's the easiest thing in the world to forgive people of $20 debts. They're, li they're, little, they're little ones. Just let it go. People will betray you. People will let you down. Just let it go. Just forgive them. I let it go. Because I'm not going to shut heaven towards me. Because whatever I bind, I've got the keys. Whatever I bind on earth will already be bound in heaven. If I, if I bind this thing, like 
release unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and frustration. I'm locking up heaven towards me and God's presence towards me. I don't ever want to do that. He's too precious to me for that. Didn't Jesus say about, he that hears my word, you know, you'll, you'll be my disciples. And those that do my word, you shall know the truth. You know, you do my word, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. The truth you know sets you free, doesn't it? The truth I know won't set you free. But the truth you know, see, revelation knowledge is the key. Opens up doors. When I get a truth about something, some people don't believe they're loved. But when you know that you're loved and you're special and that you're valuable by, by the God the Father loves you, you're valued, you're your, your identity is, I'm a son of God. That's a truth. But if I think I'm not loved, nobody loves me, I'm not valuable because the way I grew up and I was abused, I was put down, uh, I was rejected, I was, you know, whatever, all the things that could have happened to us in the natural. Don't let that be your identity. Let Christ give you his identity. It's a truth that once you come into reality of it, it shall set you free. Some of us have been hurt relationally, let's say romantically. I use the word romantically, in a relationship. If I, if I was to ask everyone's their story about how you experience I'm talking even when you're five years old, six years old, maybe eight years old, you open your heart to a little girl and you got heartbroken and... And maybe when you're 12, 13, you open up your heart and you got heartbroken and, and, you have, and, and, and you got rejected and you got put down and you got two times and someone left you for somebody else and all the little heartbreaks. So easy to shut down relationally, romantically to God. Intimately to God. Because you don't know how to be intimate because every time you open up your heart and you're intimate, someone hurt your heart. So that's shutting down, and you shut that down, you're shutting heaven in that area. Well, you've, you've got the keys, remember? If you lock that part of your door, I've got a home, and if I, sometimes I feel like, God, I want to open up every door in my home, in my home here, my heart here. I've got doors and crevices and things that maybe I've, Lord, you can come in, you can have dining table, you can have kitchen, everything, but not that room. That's reserved for me, I want to use that anytime I want to. Open that up too, he's a trusting guy, he's a beautiful guy, he's a loving guy, he's a good God. He'll only do good. When you trust Him, you'll open up every door. Say, God, come in. Be the one that I'm in love with. Amen? I want to give people an opportunity in this room, just in case you've never put faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you never knew that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That's good news. If you're hearing that for the first time, with faith. Maybe you've heard it before, but never heard it with faith. And you've heard it with faith. And you know, you know what? I know I can walk through that door. The key is faith in Jesus. You've heard that Jesus took the penalty for your sin. Turn the key. You've got the key with the, your will now. Your will has to say yes to Jesus. I want to accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I don't want religion. I want to come into the kingdom because Jesus brought the kingdom. I don't want man-made religion, denominations and all that. I don't want that. I want Jesus who's because he's the son of God, he's access to the father and he's access to the kingdom and all that God created. Does that make sense? So if our heads bowed, I want to give people opportunity to accept Jesus as their Lord and as their savior. Maybe it might be for the first time. Maybe you fell away from Christ and your heart's not in the right place. Your heart's not 
towards Him and you just got to say, you know what, Jesus, I recommit my life to you and I want my mind renewed. Just slip your hand up. Say, Leo, please include me in that prayer. I want to make Jesus my Lord. He's a beautiful Father. He's a beautiful God. He'll accept you straight away. His arms are wide open. In fact, the Father says He'll run to you. As a prodigal son comes home, the Father runs to you. So just slip your hand up. We're going to pray right now. You want to say yes to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Thank you. Anybody else? Say yes to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else want to say yes to Him? If it's for the first time, it's the most beautiful decision you'll ever make in your entire life. And you start to walk with Him for the rest of your life. Tonight, I'm going to talk about the kingdom of God. It's going to be similar to what I shared at the School of Supernatural, but deeper. We're going to go into the deeper realm of God's kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Just slip your hand up one more time. If you put your hand up, just do it one more time so guys can see. We want to give you a Bible. I want to help you in your walk with God. You're saying yes to Jesus. Not religion, but Jesus. And Jesus will forgive you. He'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He forgives you for free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful God. Thank you, Jesus. If you consider yourself a Christian but you're not getting fed, you're not growing, I want to encourage you to put your your faith to work. You need to get to the place where you can read the Bible for yourself and understand it. We've got courses that will help you grow in your faith. Tuesday night, we've got an Alpha course that helps you grow in your faith as a young believer. All right. So there's people that put their hands up. We're going to pray. Can we pray this prayer out loud together, please? Just say, Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place to forgive me and wash me of all of my sin. You gave me the gift of right standing with God. I accept you into my heart. I turn away from my selfishness and my sin. And I make you Lord. I make you my Savior. Come into my heart. By your Spirit, live in me. I will walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that online, social media, you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, God accepts you into His family. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com, or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.